back to Diamnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. My name is DM Celeste, and I'm joined here by DM Neil, but also somebody else in the gym. Why don't you go who, ahead and say hi, Jared? I don't, I don't think you. I caught that. Me? Who? What? Hi, I'm DM Jared. I'm a person. Yes, you are. And you're a wonderful person. We have showered you with praise so far. Uh, and hopefully we'll keep doing that. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully I'll live up to those standards, but we know I won't. <laughs> yes. And Jared is a longtime supporter and a Geek Wars champion, like downright champion. And just so that I do not mess this up because I want it in its full glory, what is your team name when we have Geek Wars Live? Uh, so our, the team that won was a small French village in 1938. Next year it will be a small French village in 1948. Good to know. Perfect. I am ready. I bought my tickets for a catacon, and hopefully anyone listening that can go did the same. I got mine. I hope I get dethroned by a large amount of people, but I also hope I get to destroy all of them again. <laughs> Done. Perfect. Today we're going to tie back to episode number 166, Unstoppable Evil, which featured Veronica of Cthulhu and Friends, and that motivated Rourke and I to create Diamnastics number 136. Stop that. Stop not dying. And we're going to talk about some big bads. But as always, we're going to jump right in and showcase some of the forum posts. Jared, which one did you want to highlight? So I picked one by DM Speedo Bandit, who really was the name that drew me to it first, but the content behind yes. it uh, backed it up. So uh, DM Speedo Bandit picked uh, Richard B. Riddick, which... Uh, just in general, the idea of your big bad, your unstoppable bad guy, not being someone that's like maybe not someone who's actively doing something to destroy the world, but just someone who is almost impossible to deal with for anyone that tries to catch him. So the main points uh, for what the first encounter is like, you know, your mission is to capture Riddick, who no one else has succeeded at. So you're going after him and, you know, you probably aren't going to be the only one going after him. There's a bunch of other people, other NPC adventurers really drives home the fact that this is a big, important guy that's not going to be easy. The evil escalates by, you know, he just starts taking out people one by one. Everyone who comes after him either doesn't show up or the team they're with, they're the only survivor. He traps people, captures them, and obviously the final encounter being him, a bunch of other high-damage monsters. You have to decide whether you work with Riddick or work against him, and depending on what happens there, he may make it so either he escapes and you have to let him go or people are going to die. Uh, I think DM Speedo Bandit did a really good job of capturing the essence of what Riddick is in the movies, and... I mean, I've only seen the movie. I've only seen one of the movies, but personally, it's just really cool to see somebody capture that idea in a quest of that person that you just can never really corner in any effective way. Now, I have to ask, which of the three movies did you see? Was it Pitch Black, the very first one, or it was Pitch Black? It was. It was okay, the original. good. The rest of them are not as good. Well, then I'm going to keep that mental. I'm going to keep that. Yeah. Keep it in okay. high regards. <laughs> yes. Save it. Stop yes. there. The but I, I agree. Like the, the true essence of like you, there's no gauge on the alignment of Riddick. I mean, even through watching all the movies and playing the games and stuff like that and watching the animatrix style anime, I really like Riddick. Uh, <laughs> and 
I think it's just a really good way. And there are stats at the bottom. And if you click on them, this is a terrifying creature. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Whoa. Yes. Celeste, thoughts? Love it. I love that you incorporated the stats in here, too. Uh, just like when you're making these big bad evils, uh, putting all of that in there is just always so fun. Is my my farm pick? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. So the one I picked was from 333rd Monk Man. Definitely can say that. They chose to do the Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, obviously, which was one of my favorites from this list. Uh, so I love that they set up this scenario. You know, your your PCs are basically there in some kind of urban setting. And then all of a sudden there's a string of like petty burglaries and like crimes. Uh, and you find out there's this criminal organization called the Dragon's Paw that is operating out of the city. And of course, you know, their mysterious leader is like this shredder type figure. And eventually this escalates where the PCs find out that basically this shredder character is after this like polymorph artifact that can change people into evil hybrid creatures which is yes. so cool and so on brand with teenage mutant ninja turtles uh all these like rhino fiends and horrible like lizard men uh so basically you figure out that shredder is after this artifact and the pcs have to like interrupt to stop them and it comes to this final confrontation and i love that they say in here for the final encounter of course like he's all backed up by his gang and everything uh but also in a desperate attempt to win, he's going to use this artifact on one of the PCs to try and, like, manipulate them into becoming a new minion, which I thought was really cool, like, a little psychodrama to put in there, like, of Shredder's whole goal to, like, join me, like, become one of us. So I just loved seeing this. And the idea of, like, polymorph hybrid creatures is so evil and wonderful. I was just super stoked about this post. Awesome. I was sad reading it, seeing that it never called back to the 2003 series where he was secretly an alien. Which is totally outside of every other canon that I've seen. But, like, I was really <laughs> hoping for that because that's what I grew up with was that one. Nice. Well, I love this idea of, like, serial villains. Because even if they defeat him right in this final fight, we know Shredder never goes down. There's always going to be a TMN. TMN2. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, so who knows? Maybe the alien dramas for Ooh, your next you campaign go. arc. I mean, and that's the convenience of using Shredder, and you know, we're easily knocking on the door of 40 years of Ninja Turtles and different origin stories and avenues, like the new IDW comics, basically Shredder and the turtles are reincarnations of their like feudal Japan selves and souls. So you have that route. Yes. So yeah, killing Shredder, not going to work. You have the alien route, mm -hmm. again, not going to work. You have the... I mean, moving through time, turtles in time, yep. you can fight Shredder in the Prius. Yes. <laughs> like, the, Shredder you can fight Shredder's terrible Muppet-looking versions of yourselves from the movies. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then you can, and then you're in the mystical arts and dipping back into that and resurrection and all kinds of things to bring Shredder back once again. Love it. Yes. <laughs> okay. That leaves me. So I chose DM Draxel and they chose the Borg. And so the first encounter is basically your your party is inside of a town and it, I feel like it's a very classic meeting. You venture out and there's actually these orcs that are being attacked by what look like people, but they're very like their movements are very stilted and they seem to be covered in like this patchwork armor. So in a way, it's like this really steampunk approach to the board. 
So you, you help them kill the orcs, and then they, of course, want to murder you, shoot like electrical you know, charges out of their hands. You defeat them. So the escalation is that you go back to the town, and now there's no one in the town. And you follow the trail back to basically a crashed Borg cube, like in the forest. And then you proceed to like go through and figure it out. And like kind of that final confrontation at that time is with all of these commoners with like better armor. And of course, the Borg queen, who then you can choose to like be this devastatingly evil and terrible thing to fight. And then I love that they added back the RP version of like killing the queen. And then what do you do to try and help unassimilate, if you will, these people back into their lives? like how do you get how do you get Jean-Luc Picard back instead of Lacutus yeah what's up folks that's right I knew I knew what his name was when he turned into a Borg person heck yeah it's like the best episode of T obviously come on so I think it's a great way to add it in and then it and then you know just like the TNG series that's a perpetual thing like the Borg are just out there and then you know running Mm -hmm. into them in different shapes and forms and different ways throughout a campaign would be awesome yeah, it, it's a great idea had dealing with a whole like you, there's a whole race that's spread across this whole universe, you know, all on their own designs. So wherever they intersect with your particular story, uh, it makes that really easy and to buy into that they're out there like causing their own agenda and some kind of chaos. And it's always easy to like whenever that collides. That's totally a scary foe. Jared, thoughts on adding the Borg? So I'm about to commit a cardinal nerd sin. I know about the Borg, but I have never in my life seen a single episode of any Star Trek series. Jared. That's okay. (laughs) Jared. I know. Shot through the heart. I know. I saw the two recent movies that are, like, completely separate from, like, the existing canon. True. But if it makes you feel better, I will admit a cardinal sin that I think I've admitted before in that I have seen maybe collectively like 10 minutes and read like uh, like 10 pages of Harry Potter. So Oof. that's a big one. Ooh, yeah. that's Bold a bad choice, one. folks. <laughs> Bo- We're going hey, down both together. Of you. Hey, uh, for for everybody else in the gym, I know both of those things very well. Fine. <laughs> so. See, this was your moment to try to like go down with us. But no, you're just going to let us go down. No. No, I, I'm to- I'm on top of this, Jim. I'm Done. waving this flag. <laughs> okay, but with that, let's lift the mental weights right now. Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. Okay, we're not going to mince words. I already know which one we're going for. Number five, Carmen Sandiego. Let's do this. Okay. <gasps> so excited. Okay, whoever wants to take it, what is the first encounter like with Carmen Sandiego in our D&D world? So I think obviously your first encounter, you aren't even going to see her. You're just going to end up witnessing the aftermath of like whatever, you know, you've set up as something that's super important. I mean, I feel like in, if you're if you're if you know what you're doing ahead of time, you're going to have already given like seeds to the players about something, some big, like important thing that can be stolen or crimed in yeah. general in one way, shape or another. Because we know our girl's good at crimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, obviously, the first the first encounter might not be seeing her directly, but, like, encountering just this perfect crime that's been pulled off. And, like, maybe there's a few breadcrumbs left behind that lead you to 
figuring out that there's someone who's like on a complete other level. Yeah, I would I would really love to see like in a D&D game if there was like two communities that were like warring with each other or something and there was like some artifact like between them that would like broker peace as a gift. Uh but before it like changes hands from one community or the other, she sent and she steals this thing. So like now these two communities are at each other's throats and this master thief has taken this artifact. Uh and the PCs need to come in here and like fix this problem before these people like start killing each other again. That's like high drama that I automatically thought of uh, with with Carmen San Diego. Yes, I love that first encounter not being a physical encounter. I mean, in a lot of ways, that's that's kind of the last thing that happens with Carmen San Diego, and the idea that this is also one of the greatest like unstoppable villains to be like world exploration on a whole nother level, and just letting your players. And just, I mean, the ultimate of also just like letting your players give you like what you're going to do next uh, in your mind, because there's probably going to just be like wild suspicion of just like what could possibly be happening and just stealing some of those and being like, oh, you're right. Or you're completely wrong, but you did find this clue. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. Running around the world, trying, chasing after. That would be such a fun adventure. Oh, maybe with all the sea stuff coming out. That would be. Ooh, all the ocean travel coming up for D and D. I mean, oh, I would man. love, I would love just a moment of like, you know, you're you're about you're trying to like hunt her down and like you're you're you know you think you found her and like you just reach the docks just in time and you just see her on an unmarked ship just waving goodbye <laughs> with that that tip of the yes. hat. Yes, so I think good. I, another thing I I think that was really great for inspiration. I don't know that personality wise, but I think in a lot of like physicality and the way they approach things with magic would be basically kind of like looking to Jarlaxel and using mm, a lot of definitely. the you know in the the way he approaches things. Um, almost like a female Jarlaxel is like a base to if you needed stats. I think that'd be a really good place to look. It also I think might be really cool to have her be some kind of gith. Like, so she's an extra planar traveler. Oh. Uh, that would be a super cool oh. thing uh, to <laughs> add. Just the having her fly around on San Diego. ships. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So good. I would love to see and that. And obviously her base of operations ends up being somewhere in Sigil. Yep. Yep. Okay. So what is the final encounter like? I think the final encounter should be like a Ocean's Eleven style counter heist. Ooh, cool. Nice. I, I have nothing like I, I, I have nothing else beyond <laughs> I'm, that. I'm done at that point. But I think I think I just dropped my bomb there. Like you have to figure out like that's my favorite trope in anything is like when you think the villain wins and then the protagonist like details exactly how they've been one step ahead the whole time. Like you need to out Carmen San Diego, Carmen San Diego. I think that's like you got to figure out exactly what she's going to do and have the backup plan on the backup plan on the secret, like, twist around, let everything fail, and then at the last moment reveal that you had it the whole time. Backup plan. Yeah, you're already waiting there in the Dragon Vault for yes. her. <laughs> when she arrives, you know. Well, and I think another <laughs> another thing with Carmen Sandiego is the idea that, you know, how evil is she? And you know, not only right. with that big reveal, but then also like this motivation to let her go at the end of it, because you're like, I don't know how I could do anything else other than let her go at this time. Dun dun dun. Mm. Yeah, maybe maybe you. It's more of like a social encounter or role playing 
Yeah, or or maybe you know you you find out who actually like is behind her oh. doing this or who she was stealing for, uh, and then there's that arrangement and it sets you up to deal with a bigger bad where she's like, well, I'm not doing this, you know, out of evil intentions, but there's someone else behind the scenes. Uh, that could be a cool encounter as well. And I mean, the hook that she had, the the initial hook of like her having stolen something important in the first place, like maybe you catch her, but the only way to get back the first thing that she stole is to let her go because yeah. she has her own contingency. So it's like that way you can keep, you know, she stays in the, she's not done at that point, right? You stopped her, but mm-hmm. there's more to come. Oh, yes. Well, I really want this okay. game like right now. <laughs> but, but before that though, what is another one that we want to tackle? Ooh. Celeste, I say we do number 10. Jigsaw. Ew, gross. Uh, Okay. okay. So, Jigsaw. You're speaking to to someone who knew knew that Dr. Gordon was a Jigsaw apprentice the whole time. Nice. So, Jigsaw from the Saw movies. I think it's going to be difficult. And obviously, as we kind of always throw out with horror campaigns, this needs to be something that everyone bought in on. Like this is <laughs> yes. Everybody needs yeah, to know you're gonna yeah, go here before you bring yeah. jigsaw there to your the table. Jigsaw clause. Yeah, there there needs to be definitely an X card, if not an like an X panel. Um, just just because of the the nature of the movies, especially when you're doing it to characters that people have know and love. But how would we add jigsaw to our campaign or game? I mean, the first encounter writes itself, doesn't it? Everyone's a group of people captured by jigsaw for a test. Mm-hmm. But my thought was not everyone. Okay. Oh, so like some of the party is taken and some have to rescue those who yeah. have been taken. Ooh, I love that. The idea of a cutscene, like people trying to survive while this is happening. And then also f- trying to figure out where he took them. Yeah. And what's been... Ooh. Okay. So I, if we're, it seems like we're framing a whole thing around this. So, oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the, what if one of the players is an apprentice? Oh, because it wouldn't so be good. a saw movie. Yes. It wouldn't be a jigsaw plotline without a reveal at the end. Yes. Yeah. Oh no. Oh my gosh, doing that and yeah, like you know, and obviously, and that would be something. I mean, if you're really doing a jigsaw campaign, I mean, and this takes a lot of investment up front. If we're going to really you know, really hone in on how the movies kind of approach this, and you're almost at that point having a session zero with everyone because no one knows mm-hmm. who the other people are. And that definitely lets you figure out and set up who is going to be that apprentice and who's going to be left yeah. on the outside. Does someone approach and their their character ends up being more of like an officer of the law? So then that's who's starting to investigate it and they get embroiled in all the craziness. Or the officer of the law is Jigsaw. God. Oh, there's so many possibilities. I mean, my personal style is that I do a one-on-one session zero with each player okay. before the initial, like, first session. So, like, because that gives people a chance to, like, figure out their character and everything. So, I mean, that's the perfect time for at the end of each person's session is when they get captured, right? Or if it's the apprentice, it's when they're setting all the pieces in place. So good. And the, and the other thing I think is the absolute terrible things that you can do when someone has to miss a session. Oh, no, no, no. So many penalties. <laughs> yeah. oh, There's a lot yeah. to lose. Show uh, up every time. Uh, or else. 
But then also the idea of that, you know, because you could also have it on the like outside, you know, and your, your your entire group could also be some of the people that are trying to investigate why all these terrible things are happening to people rather than necessarily these people be are, good people that yeah, it's happening to. You know, Detective Strom who had to give himself a tracheotomy. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. Oh, yes. Okay. But with that terrifying statement, I think we have done it. Uh, we have lifted the mental weights. But the question I have. Jared, where can people go to find what you want them to find on the internet about you? Well, uh, my Twitter handle is DM Jared, D-M-J-E-R-A-D. I tweet just random stuff, mostly about RPGs. And yeah, I mean, I'm at a catacon every year, um, you know, and if you hear my name uh, or I'll tweet stuff out if you think that I'm a cool person, uh, maybe if anything comes in the future, hint, hint. You know, it'd be cool to see some support. Yes. And maybe and maybe that'll, you know, I'm not promising anything. I'm a lazy person at heart. Perfect. Under promise, over deliver. Can't <laughs> go wrong every time. And if you want to tell us how we should not have talked about Jigsaw, um, <laughs> you can email us at dmnastics at gmail.com or head over, head over to Twitter where we're at dmnastics, all lowercase, all one word. And for everything else on the network, you can always go to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. But with that, let's head to our post-workout cool-down and stretch with the light bulb. Light bulb. Today on the light bulb, Jared's still with us. Hey, you're still here. Hey, hey buddy. Whoa, I, I didn't get snapped. Nope. And <laughs> speaking of snapped and the amazing idea that you already shared with us, the light bulb, the floor is yours, sir. Okay, so um, what I find is a really common problem is, especially in long campaigns and persistent worlds, players' characters, once they're done playing with them, if they don't die, they just sort of stop being important in a lot of people's campaigns. Like, they just get old or, you know, just fade into obscurity. And when since I, like, because I have no life and I have the time to do so, uh, what I find the players, my players find really satisfying is I... I create one-offs with their old characters sometimes i get a few people together and have a few old characters even from different campaigns crossing their storylines over and while you know big world ending events are going on here with the main campaign you know this explains where are all these other heroes what are they doing okay well they're actually dealing with the villains other one of the villains other plans that are happening way over here they're stopping this plague or they're stopping like this evil corporation from causing problems and that gives you a lot of chance to do extra world building to make villains seem more important or even connect certain plot lines going on in the rest of the world to give context to what's going on in your campaign currently so you just can have multiple threads without having to worry about them crossing over too much, as long as you just keep them real far apart. <laughs> uh, I love that idea, like, because I have so many old character sheets, right? Like, that just accumulate from these these stories and campaigns, characters of mine or characters from old games. So being able to bring those back out and then give kind of life into that and then also expanding your world at the same time, like with what's going on off screen. Uh, I absolutely love that idea. I think that that's so fun. Yeah, and like get, letting people ride that bike of that previous character that they were attached to because it could be completely, you know, and some could, 
could walk away from the character because they don't want to play anymore. And some, it could just be that that campaign ended in a completely natural way, but getting to play that character again, also allowing those things, like you said, from a meta narrative, you know, giving the characters a lot more, but there also could be more direct or indirect effects of them succeeding or failing at that one-off. And then what that means for the main campaign that you're in those effects are seen at that meta level, but the player, you know, and the players know it was because we did, we did well, or we died a terrible death (laughs) that these things are now happening to us. That is amazing. And I, I don't, I, I think I'm going to do that. Or I'm just going to take all their old characters and kill them with them. No, just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> just throw them in a fire. Yep. Oh, man. All the character sheets right in front of them. That's your one-off. <laughs> and you better be happy with it. That's a plus 20 to intimidation right there. <laughs> just rip it in half in front of them. That was actually the solution to a campaign I was in, ripping our character sheets in half. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. And again, on that wonderful note, we're going to turn out the lights and head out of the gym. But before we go, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forums, take part in these challenges and exercises, as well as all of the other amazing conversations being had. To do that, head on over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? Can I trust you will add your own cardio? Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. What are you doing? Horizontal running. <laughs>